Well, good morning to you. If you do have a Bible with you, please turn to the Gospel of John chapter 19. I'm sorry, Gospel of John chapter 20. John 20, and uh, we will start reading in, in a few minutes in verse 19. John 20, verse 19. Let's pray before we start here. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, uh, most importantly today for Jesus Christ. Uh, Your word says that we are all sinners. Because of our sin, uh, your wrath is upon us. But, Father, you are a loving God, and you sent your own son, Jesus, to take the wrath for our sin upon himself on the cross and die for our sin and rise again, conquering that sin in order that every sinner who would cling to Jesus in faith might be forgiven and freed from the wrath we deserve. And we believe, we believe Father, that in Jesus Christ we are loved. We are loved infinitely. We are loved eternally. Your love for us will never ever change. Your love for us is not based upon anything we say or do. Your, your love for us is based upon Christ and what He has said and what He has done. And we thank you, Father, so much for your love for us as your children in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, what an amazing privilege that we would be called the children of God and that we would call you our Father. And Lord, if we um, who are evil know how to love our own children, how much more would you, Father, who are perfect, love your own children? We believe we are loved in Christ. We thank you for it. And we thank you, Father, that you haven't left us on this earth with nothing to do. But Lord, you have invited us into your mission on this earth. We thank you, Father, that we have the privilege of working with you to see your glory spread around the globe. We thank you that we have the privilege of seeing Christ worshipers raised up all over this earth. We, we thank you, Father, for the privilege of laboring for people's eternal joy. Lord, that we don't have to sit and do nothing, but we have the privilege of laboring. Laboring for people's eternal joy in Christ Jesus. And uh, Lord, we just invite you to stir our hearts again today along those lines. It's so easy to shift away from our purposes here on this earth, to lose sight of our purposes. And I would just ask, Father, that you would give us again a razor-sharp focus today, that we would be reminded today of the many blessings we have in Christ, and we would be reminded today of the privilege we have in Christ proclaim his name around the world. Will you please, Lord, sharpen our focus again today as a local church, Lord. We trust that you will do it for your glory and our good. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, ever since we started this church, ever since we started this church, Some six years ago, every year around this time of year, we have celebrated a Global Missions Week. Global Missions is just a big part of what we do in and through this local church. We we give more funds 
to global missions than we do to just about anything else. We support a lot of long-term global missionaries, many of them working with unreached people groups around the world, people like the Wahlbergs and the Stadahars. We we set up lots of short-term global missions trips, trips that many of you have been on, multiple trips to China, a trip to Haiti, and we are hoping this year to set up more trips to China and also trips to both Honduras and India. Global, mer- global missions is just a big part of what we do in and through this local church family. And what I would like to do here this morning is to spend just a few minutes here thinking with you about the why of global missions. Why do we do it? You know, that why, that why question is absolutely critical. Lots of local churches do global missions, but we don't want to do global missions just because other churches do it. We don't want to do global missions just because it seems like it might be a good thing to do. We need a biblical reason for doing global missions, and the Bible actually gives us lots of reasons for doing global missions. And I want to just look at one of those reasons with you here this morning, just one biblical reason why every single church and every single Christian should be actively involved with global missions. And here it is. Why should we be involved with global missions? Well, because Jesus has commissioned us for mission. Jesus has commissioned every single local church for mission. Jesus has commissioned every single believer for mission. Every single believer here has been, has been called by Jesus and appointed by Jesus and authorized by Jesus and empowered by Jesus to actively and intently engage in mission in our world in both local and global mission. Why global missions? Very simple. Because Jesus Christ has commissioned us as Christians for mission, for both local and global mission. That word commission, according to the dictionary, uh, to, be, to be commissioned means that you have been officially charged with a particular function. When a person is commissioned by the military as an officer or as a chaplain or something like that, that person has been officially charged by the military with that particular function, appointed and commanded by the military to perform that particular function. And as believers, we have all been commissioned. We have all been officially charged by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have all been appointed and commanded by Christ to perform a particular function, and that function is mission. Jesus has commissioned us, all of us, for mission. And I want to look with you this morning at this commission for mission that Jesus has given us in the Bible. You know, if you look carefully at the New Testament books, the last 26 books of the Bible, if you look carefully at those books, you'll find that Jesus actually commissioned us formally for mission 
four, in four different places. Four different passages where Jesus commissioned us formally for mission. And each one of those four passages kind of fleshes out our commission for mission just a little bit more. Each one of those passages adds a little something more to the overall picture, helps to complete that overall picture for us. And when you look at the four passages together, you get a much better sense of what Jesus has actually called us to do as a local church and as individual believers. So what I'd like to do here this morning is just kind of run through these four passages with you where Jesus formally commissions us for mission. I'll kind of focus in here on some of the different emphases in each of the four passages. And the first passage where Jesus commissions us for mission is right here in John chapter 20. And what does John chapter 20 teach us specifically about our commission for mission? It teaches us this. John chapter 20 teaches us that we are sent. Those of us who are believers here today, those of us who are now trusting in and following Christ in faith, each and every one of us has been sent by Christ. As as a Christian, part of your core identity in Christ Jesus is a sent one. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. Part of your core identity as a Christian is a sent one. In this passage here in John 20, let me set the context quickly. It took place, this passage took place right after Jesus had risen from the dead. The original disciples at this point in time, uh, they had still not yet seen Jesus alive after his resurrection. Most of the disciples still think Jesus is dead. And all of a sudden, Jesus now appears to them here in a real flesh and blood body. And Jesus then very quickly commissions them for mission. If you look at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And we're going to focus this morning just on those words there in verse 21 where Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And you have to stop and consider when Jesus said those words because he said those words at an absolutely critical point in human history. 
Jesus Christ, the perfect and sinless Son of God, he had just recently taken the sin of the world upon himself. He had just recently died and risen again to pay the full penalty for that sin. And now here, right after his death and resurrection, right before he would ascend back to heaven, right at the end of his earthly life, at that critical point in human history, the final take-home message that Jesus would actually give to his disciples, Jesus looks at them and says to them, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you critical point in human history. And man, even though Jesus spoke those words there directly to his original disciples, his apostles who were standing around him on this occasion, even though he spoke those words directly to them, these words there were not just for his original disciples, but for every disciple. Jim Boyce says this, if you go ahead and throw that quote up on the screen. Jim Boyce says, these words are for all of Jesus' disciples, of course, not only for the apostles. They are for you if you have turned from your sin to trust Jesus Christ alone for your salvation and have become His disciple. So please, if, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ here this morning, you are trusting in Christ with a, a living faith. And those words there in John chapter 20, they are for you. So I want you to picture Jesus Christ today looking at you right now, His disciple, the one He loves, the one whom you love, looking at you and saying to you, As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. You believer, you you are a sent one. You are sent by Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Now, you may not have viewed yourself up to this point in your Christian life. You may not have viewed yourself as a sent one. I think a lot of believers don't really view themselves as sent ones. They know that Christ was sent for them. They know that the original apostles were sent. But they don't yet really recognize that they have also been sent. They, they don't really believe that. They don't really own that. They, they don't really live in this world like sent ones. They, they trust in Christ for forgiveness, may try to go to church services, try to live a good Christian life of integrity, may work hard on the job, may work hard on their relationships within the home and within the church, but they never really live in this world like sent Ones, but if you have truly received Jesus Christ by faith, then that is who you are. Whether or not you ever live it out in your Christian life, that is who you are. You've been sent by the Lord Jesus Christ. You are called and commissioned by Jesus Christ as a sent one in a dark and fallen world. That is who you are, part of your core identity in Jesus. 
It's not just that Jesus was sent for you and the original apostles were sent for you. No, you, you, you have been sent. You are not just in the Christian kingdom, the kingdom of God, in order to receive more and more and more. You are in the kingdom to receive and you are sent to give in this life. You have been sent, Christian, like Jesus was sent. Jesus says there in John 20, 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus was also a sent one, the ultimate and supreme sent one. And just think for a second about, about the, the, the sentness of Jesus Christ. God the Father sent Jesus. And listen, Jesus knew that he was a sent one. I want you to get this. Just, just think about this for, this for a second. I don't know how many times, if ever, you've read through the Gospel of John. But in the Gospel of John alone, Jesus Christ referred to himself as a sent one over 40 different times. Jesus just repeatedly, constantly throughout the gospel of John, referring to himself as the one whom the Father had sent. It's everywhere in the book of John. That is one of the primary ways that Jesus identified himself. That was one of the primary pieces of his self-awareness. He knew that he was a sent one. Very aware of it. Now here at this critical point in human history, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The Father sent Jesus, and Jesus here was now sending us. And, and you, know, you know what was really going on there in John chapter 20 when Jesus said that as the Father sent me, I am now sending you. He was really handing the baton to us. Have you ever watched a relay race you, 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 or run in one maybe? Uh, I didn't do that type of stuff. <laughs> maybe you did. But have you ever seen like the, the 4 by 100 relay or something in the Olympics? One, one runner runs his part of the race and then hands the baton to the next person and basically says, now you run. Your turn. And Jesus, right there in John 20, he was formally passing the baton to his disciples. He was passing the baton to us. You see, Jesus had been sent. He'd been sent by God the Father to, to run his particular part of the race. The part of the race that only Jesus Christ could run. Jesus was sent by God the Father to live and die and rise again for the sin of the world. And Jesus, at this point in time, right here, Gospel of John, He has now finished His part of the race. And Jesus was now handing the baton to us. 
I was sent disciples. I was sent to run my part of the race. I have faith, faithfully finished my part of the race. And I am now sending you to run your part of the race. He's handing the baton to us. And what is our part of the race as disciples of Jesus. What has Jesus sent us to do? Well, we have been sent to tell people what Jesus did. Jesus was sent to accomplish salvation. And we have now been sent to proclaim that salvation to the world. We have been sent by Christ. We have been commissioned. We have been appointed. We have been commanded by Christ to tell people all over the world what Christ did on the cross. We have all been commissioned to do that. It's not just a handful of people in the Christian church who are sent ones. It's not just the Stadahars or the Wahlbergs or overseas missionaries who are sent ones. It is all of us. Commission to proclaim what Christ has done. You know, no Christian here was saved by Jesus in order to then just kind of sit on the sideline. No, no, you have been saved by Christ and sent by Christ in order to share Christ. You were saved to proclaim the salvation he accomplished. 2 Corinthians 5, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says that you, as a believer, you have now been reconciled to God the Father through faith in Jesus. You now have peace with God the Father through faith in Jesus. And man, praise God for that. If you've been reconciled through faith in Jesus, then man, God loves you. He will never, ever, ever stop loving you no matter what you do or don't do in this life. You've been reconciled. Praise God. But don't stop there. Don't stop there because 2 Corinthians 5 also says that you have now received the ministry of reconciliation. And God is now wanting to work through you, believer, to implore or to plead with others to be reconciled to Him. Man, so many Christians stop at that first part of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I did it for years. I'm reconciled, I'm reconciled, I'm reconciled, I'm reconciled, I'm reconciled. Yes, you are, if you have a genuine faith in Christ. And you have also been given You've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador. You are an ambassador for Christ. Jesus doesn't save anyone to sit on the sideline. He saves you and He sends you to share as his ambassador. Jesus was a sent one. And if you are in Christ today by faith, then you are also a sent one. That is part of your core identity in Christ. 
You know, for those of us who, who are believers here today, we're still a mess <laughs> in many, many ways. And if you're acting right now like you're not a mess, you're a hypocrite too. <laughs> we're all a mess in many, many ways. But the good thing is that the Spirit of God is now working in our hearts. And the Bible says that the Spirit is now working to conform us more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. God is now working through His Spirit to make us look more like Jesus and sound more like Jesus. God is molding us now into the image of Jesus. That's a fantastic thing. But here's the thing. The image of Jesus Christ includes sentness. Jesus was sent And so are you. That was one of the primary ways that Jesus identified Himself, a sent one. And if you as a believer are going to be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus, then you at some point will will need to be conformed to His sentness. You will need to recognize that just like Jesus, you have also been sent you will need at some point to own that sentness. You will need at some point to begin to live out that sentness. That's part of your sanctification as a Christian. Being conformed to the image of Jesus, it doesn't just mean that, that you become more loving and, and more kind and more gentle. It does mean those things. Jesus does that in you over time. It doesn't just mean those things No, it also means that you begin to live as one who has been sent like Jesus. Ed Stetzer says this, if you throw that quote up. Ed Stetzer says, As Jesus' disciples become transformed into the image of Christ, they in turn put on His sentness. Jesus was a sent one. And you, as a follower of Christ, God now wants to conform you into the image of Christ. You putting on the sentness of Jesus Christ. You've been sent like Jesus. And man, I want you to notice there in John chapter 20, I want you to notice that you, as a believer... You have been sent in the same manner or in the same way that Jesus Christ was sent. Jesus says there in John 20, As the Father has sent me, even so, or in the same manner or in the same way, I am sending you. You, believer, you have been sent by Jesus in the same manner or the same way that Jesus was sent. And how was Jesus sent? In what manner or in what way was Jesus sent? Well, for starters, Jesus was sent out. He was sent out. Out of his comfortable home. He was sent out into a dark and fallen world. He was sent out 
to lost sinners, people like you and me. He didn't hide from us. He didn't hide in his comfortable home. He was sent out into this world to us. And Jesus was also sent in in love. Entering this dark world not to destroy his enemies in judgment, thank God, but to save his enemies in love. And, and Jesus was also sent out in humility. Entering this dark world not as a, a proud king, Asking everybody to serve him, but he came putting on the form of a servant and serving everybody else, laying his life down for lost sinners like you and me. Jesus was sent out, he was sent in love, he was sent in humility, and Jesus was sent to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19. And Jesus now says to every believer here in this room, says it to every single believer here in this room, as the Father sent me, even so, in the same manner, in the same way, I am sending you. Jesus is sending you out. He is sending you out of your comfortable home. He is sending you out of your comfortable church building. He is sending you out into a lost and dying world. He is sending you out to lost sinners. When you were a lost sinner, Jesus was sent out to you. And Jesus now looks at you and says, go and do likewise. He's sending you out. He's sending you out in love like Him. Not going out to destroy your enemies in judgment. Cursing your enemies on Facebook or something. But sending you out in love to work for the salvation of your enemies. And Jesus is sending you out in humility like Himself. Sending you out not as a proud king, Trying to get everybody to serve you, but sending you out as a servant for you to lay your life down for lost sinners. And here's the thing just like Jesus, Jesus is sending you out to seek and save the lost. The church in America has gone too long trying to invite lost sinners into comfortable Christian places. Jesus did not do that to us. He went out to us. And that's what we as a local church aim to do. It's not easy. Do you realize that's countercultural? You can go to so many churches in our area trying to draw lost sinners into church services. We're not trying to do that. We believe Jesus is sending us out to meet people on their own turf and love them. We're broken like they are. Jesus is the only answer for anybody. And Jesus is sending us out. That's your commission as a believer. You're sent. And you're sent in the same manner that Christ was sent. 
You know, you, you know, you know, you know the, 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 the great part about this, this sentness thing here? The great part about this ambassador thing or, or living a life on mission? The cool thing is Jesus doesn't expect you to do it individually all by yourself as a solitary independent Christian. You know, I, I really do. I think a lot of believers, when, when, when they think about going out to, to seek and to save the lost, they think they have to do it all by themselves, all alone. Uh, go out alone, build a relationship alone, share the gospel alone. And that very understandably lands on them like a massive burden. And they end up doing nothing. And sitting around with other believers who are doing nothing, just feeling guilty. All of them together. And man, I, I think we probably tend to think that we're supposed to do this thing all by ourselves because we're American. Uh, and that's how Americans operate by and large. Individualistic, independent, solitary lives. We even try to live out our Christianity like that, man. It's just me and my personal Jesus. Don't tell me what to do. It's me, me, me. Listen, man, that, that individual, independent, solitary type of life, that is Christian, it's, or that is American, it's not Christian. Jesus doesn't call you to live out your Christian life all by yourself, and Jesus doesn't want us to live out our sentness all by ourselves. You know, if you look at the New Testament books, the, the early disciples almost never did mission alone. They worked together on mission, uh, either in, in pairs with one another or in larger groups. They did mission in community. Now, Philip did mission alone because the Holy Spirit kept transporting him all around the place and he would share the gospel. He'd show up and share the gospel. And listen, if the Holy Spirit just so happens to beam you, say to Japan or something all by yourself, well, hey, by all means, do mission alone. That must be God's will for you. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't do that, then his will for your life is probably that you would seek to do mission with other believers in community with them. That's what the early apostles did. The early disciples almost always did mission together. They did mission in community with one another. And that's what we believe Jesus has called us to do here in this local church. We've all been sent. But man, praise God, we've been sent together. We've been sent to do this thing together, to work together. And we want to learn here in this church how to do mission in community. There's just more strength in numbers. Man, you just have more confidence when you're doing it with other people. And when you're doing with other people, each person can then use his or her unique gifts or abilities. Somebody might, might do really well at building relationships with people, and others do well at kind of inviting those people into the Christian community, and other people do well at sharing the gospel. But it's a team sport. <laughs> we do it together, and then that removes a lot of that burden from off of you. And man, we aim to do that mission in community primarily in and through our life groups. Doing mission together in our life groups. Doing life together on mission. That's one passage there that tells us something about our commission for mission. As believers, we are sent. And a second passage that 
we'll look at here tells us something else about our commission. The second passage tells us that we are sent to all nations. If you turn to Matthew 28, we'll hit these, these last three here more quickly. Matthew 28, we have been sent And just kind of catch what's going on here in the Bible. So you've just heard Jesus commission us for mission at the end of the Gospel of John. And now we're flipping over to the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And then we're going to go to the end of the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to go to the beginning of the book of Acts. Four different places here. Matthew 28, verse 18. Just to set the context, this, also, this passage here also took place during that time right after the death and resurrection of Jesus, right before his ascension back into heaven. It took place at that critical point in human history. Jesus was once again with his original disciples, and he said this, verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So now hear this, these original disciples, they've heard those words from the book of John, and here they are, man. You, you, you disciples, you, you are sent as the Father sent me, so I'm now sending you. And what am I sending you to do? Well, I'm sending you to, to make disciples, to make more disciples, to make new disciples, to make new Christ followers of all nations. And Jesus wasn't just sending them to make new disciples right there locally in their hometowns in Jerusalem or or in Galilee where most of them were from. Yes, Jesus definitely wanted them to make new disciples there locally. Jesus will actually command them in the next two passages to make disciples locally, but he didn't just want them to do it locally, but also globally. Make new disciples of all nations, Jesus says, or make new disciples of every single people group on this planet. Make disciples of of people groups in in Greece and in in Italy and Spain and Turkey and China and Haiti and Honduras and India and Indonesia. And man, again, those words, they weren't just for the original disciples, but they were for every disciple. Charles Spurgeon said this, This is our commission as well as theirs. From it we learn that our first business is to make disciples of all nations. This is the perpetual commission of the church of Christ. And you can leave that up there for a couple of minutes. Just want to pause on that quote. Look at that. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, very well-respected preacher, 1800s. Spurgeon said there that making disciples of all nations is our first business. Making disciples of all nations is our first business. And I believe that Spurgeon meant there 
that making new disciples of all nations, both locally, locally and globally, is our most important business. The perpetual and primary commission for us as a local church. Our primary, our first business, our perpetual and primary commission as a local church is to make disciples, new disciples, both locally and globally of all nations. Jesus Christ has commissioned us for mission. Listen, there is no other thing that the Lord Jesus Christ on four different occasions in the Bible commissioned us to do. There is no other thing on four different occasions in the Bible that Jesus Christ commissioned us to do as a local church. The only thing Jesus formally commissioned us to do as a local church four different times is mission, to make disciples of all nations. Now Jesus tells us, yes, he tells us as believers to do lots of things in the Bible. Yes, seek to do all of those things. But the one and only thing that Jesus formally commissioned his church to do was to make disciples of all nations. And when Jesus was standing there looking at his original disciples, he was thinking primarily of bringing the lost into the kingdom of God all around the globe. He has commissioned us for that. He has commissioned us for that. Put that right in the middle of your target. That is our commission as a local church family. Yes, there are lots of things we do. We want to work on our parenting with our kids. Yes and amen. We want to work on our marriages. Yes and amen. We want to love one another better. Yes and amen. Forgive one another. Yes and amen. But you don't do those things separate from mission. You do those things on mission. You work on your marriage so that you might be more effective in sharing the gospel together as husband and wife. You parent your kids so your family would be more effective on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. You love one another and forgive one another so that unbelievers might see that love and say, wow, you must be disciples of Jesus. That is our one and only commission from the Lord Jesus Christ, mentioned four times, four times in the Bible, formally commissioning us to make disciples of all nations. That is what he has given us in sending you disciples to do it. He has formally handed us the baton. I have accomplished it, and I am now asking you to proclaim it. Making new disciples, mission to the lost, both locally and globally. Listen, listen, please listen. Mission to the lost cannot just be some peripheral thing that we do as a local church. It cannot just be one thing that we do among other things. Yeah, we like to get together with other believers. We we like to have Bible studies. We enjoy our kids' activities. And oh yeah, when we have a little extra time on our hands, we do mission. We check the box once a month to appease our consciences. It cannot function like that as a local church. That is not right. Mission cannot just be some peripheral thing in your life group. Just another thing you do in your life group. Something you do once a month. That's, uh, that's enough talk about mission. Let's get back to us. No, it's not right. 
It's just not right. Mission, making new disciples, it cannot be a peripheral thing in the life of the church. It cannot be a peripheral thing in your life. It must be central. Jesus commanded us, formally commissioned us four different times for mission, making disciples all around the globe. That's our first business as a local church. You know, most people estimate there are some 16,000 people groups on this planet. 16,000. Somewhere around there, people groups, distinct people groups, their own language, their own customs, 16,000 people groups. It's estimated that somewhere around 6,000 of those people groups still do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. The saving message of the Lord Jesus Christ is still not yet penetrated into those, those people groups. And Jesus says to us, go! Go. Make disciples of all nations locally yeah in in your hometown in your neighborhood yep yep let's work together to do that but also globally in every single people group and man that just sounds impossible when you hear it it sounds impossible just so daunting we can't possibly make disciples of all nations we're struggling to make disciples here in our own city but man jesus has given us there in those verses a massive promise Jesus says there in verse 18, you just look at the bookends there in Matthew 28. Verse 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then down there in verse 20, he says, behold, disciples, I am with you always. To the end of the age. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is working with us in our own strength. We cannot possibly make disciples. We can't even do it in our own city. We've tried and failed trying in our own strength. But Jesus can do it. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And listen, when we as believers truly begin to set our hearts and minds to make new disciples, when when we truly begin to pray and, and to labor together to make new disciples, when we truly begin to lean on Jesus hard to make new disciples, Jesus is pleased. Oh, he's so pleased. And Jesus is with us. And Jesus will work through us. Jesus will work through us. And man, listen, Jesus will ultimately make disciples of every people group on this planet. He has promised. Terry already read it. We've heard it. Here it is. This is the final picture. In heaven, this is Revelation chapter 7. Here's what heaven's going to look like. You ready? After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples, and all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Jesus will do it. He will do it. When it's all said and done, people from every tribe, language, people, nation, they'll be there worshiping God, worshiping Jesus Christ the Lamb and Christ's Redeemer Church. We have a role to play in that picture. You have a role to play. You have a role to play. A distinct role to play in that picture. For the eternal glory of God and for your eternal joy and for the eternal joy of those you will reach with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a role to play. 
We've been commissioned by Christ to make disciples, more disciples, new disciples. And man, please, as long as I'm lead pastor of this church, until the day I die, or until the day you kick me out, which might come first, (laughs) by the grace of God within me, I will not stop. I will not stop. I will not stop. This is our commission from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our commission. It is not enough for us to continue to sit and sit and sit. This is our commission. He has called us to do it. He will work through us to do it. He's already working through us to do it. Man, by the grace of God, I will pray and preach and labor. I will wrestle. I will agonize as long as I am here to see this local church actively making new disciples for the eternal glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe Jesus will do it. And listen, if, if, if you don't agree that mission should be a central priority in a local church, if you're going to resist that in your life group, or you're going to resist that in conversations, no, let's just get back to us here. Please, let me encourage you. I love you. And please, you might want to consider a different local church. There are many, many, many local churches in the area. We don't need big numbers here in this church. We need soldiers. We need soldiers. We are not after numbers. We need soldiers. I pray all the time that Jesus would give us soldiers, that He would bring them in from the outside, that He would raise us up to be soldiers, people ready and willing to join together with other soldiers, laying aside civilian pursuits that entangle us and slow us down, laying aside these consumeristic tendencies where it's all about me and all about us, laying aside the silly little excuses that we throw up when it comes to mission, and people are ready to pray hard and labor hard to see eternal souls brought in to the kingdom of God. Soldiers. And God is raising us up to be that. I've not been that in the early part or earlier parts of my Christian life. And He's raising me up in new ways. Soldiers. I pray that all the time. And I believe the Lord is doing it. And listen, when it comes to making disciples globally, you have a role to play there too. You have a role to play there. Maybe Jesus is calling you to be a goer globally, like the Stadahars or the Wahlbergs. Why not you? Leaving your family, your country, going overseas to another people group. Or maybe Jesus is calling you to be a sender globally, calling you to send people overseas lavishly. Are you giving to them financially, giving to them materially, and and, and supporting them once they're over there? Jesus may be calling you to be a goer or a sender, but man, please make no mistake about it. You have a role to play in making disciples globally. I mentioned before, John Piper says often that you're either a sender, you're a goer, or you're disobedient. For the sake of time, I'm not going to hit the other passages. Let me give them to you, and you can, you can read them later. The other two passages where Jesus commissions us. The next one would be at the end of the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 45 through 49. 
And the other one would be Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. And what you just learned in those final two passages, let me just put it together. We are sent to all nations with a message empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because that Acts 1 chapter, that was kind of the last part. Jesus had commissioned His disciples, but He said, wait. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you in a new way like never before. Filling you, empowering you. Empowering them to do what? Just work a bunch of miracles so they could get on TV and make money? No. The Holy Spirit empowers you for witness. Jesus said, you will be empowered and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus did empower. He poured out the Holy Spirit, empowered his apostles. And what did they do? This ragtag bunch of men, they went. Bold, courageous, and proclaimed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And please listen to me. If you're a believer here today, that same Holy Spirit lives in your heart. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Peter, that empowered Paul, that empowered Philip, that Holy Spirit lives in your heart. And that Holy Spirit, if you will set your heart and your mind to making disciples for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit will empower you to do it. If your Christianity is just a Christianity of sit in the seat and do nothing, don't expect the Holy Spirit to empower you very much. But if you set your heart to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, you will need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You will begin to pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit like the early disciples did. Give us boldness. And He will do it for us. And He will empower us to go make disciples of all nations. May God... Help us to take the commission of Jesus Christ seriously. And may God empower us to obey it for His glory and our eternal joy. Father, we thank You. It is so easy to miss the point. So easy to be distracted by so many things. Distracted by sunshine. Distracted by job. Distracted by family. Distracted uh, by so many, many different things. And we lose focus. We thank You for Your Word that brings us back. And Lord, we just ask You to forgive us for not catching the centrality of that commission. I ask You, Father, to forgive us for making that commission peripheral. It's another thing we do. And Lord, I ask that You would just bring conviction in our hearts as a local church and You would move the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ dead center in our target. And whatever we do here, that would be our aim. To worship You with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Loving You in all that we do. And 
in love for you, in love for the Lord Jesus, who first loved us, spending and being spent to make disciples of all nations. Lord, thank you. Jesus, we see you in the book of Revelation walking among the lampstand, walking among the churches. And we trust, Jesus, you are walking in our church, among our people. And you are changing, and you are moving, and you are stirring, and you are raising us up, and you are causing us to lay aside weights and sin that entangles, and causing us to lay aside these civilian pursuits that weigh us down and entangle us. You're stirring us up, raising us up. You're helping us to see you, Jesus, more clearly. And in seeing you more clearly, we know you must receive the worship that you deserve. You must receive the worship of all nations. And you will, for your namesake, for your glory, you will. And we thank you, Lord, you've called us into this thing to to work for it. And I would ask you, will you please help us to do it? Help us, Lord, we pray. You've loved us so much, reconciling us to yourself through the blood of Jesus. And you've blessed us with such a privilege entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. And will you now implore through us, Lord God, to others, be reconciled to God. Father, help us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.